Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hey, thanks to each of you for listening in to the conversation that I'm having. My name is Chris Maxwell. The conversation I'm having with my dear friend Tracy Reynolds and our dear friend, Dr. Doug Beecham. Uh, Dr. Beecham is the General Superintendent of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. And uh, when we talked in our last episode, I was just like listening in. I wanted to just keep it going. It's so good. And so, um, Doug, let's just kind of dive back in where we ended. Welcome back. Yeah, that's great. Week. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Um, I'd, I'd like to make a couple of comments on, on this thing of call. Uh, part, probably a good part of uh, uh, maybe a, a number of people who listen to us are in what we call, traditionally call ministry. But there's a, a huge spectrum of people, far more people, in fact, uh, who follow Jesus, who love Jesus, who are involved in a variety of other fields, education, yep. medicine, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, trash collectors, um, and uh, which I did once in my life. Uh, Used to ride the trash truck in Franklin Springs, cool. and so that's a humbling experience. If you think life stinks, that's <laughs> it does. That's, it does, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I uh, but that's a noble thing uh, uh, to for people who do that kind of thing. The uh, I was thinking about uh, my wife, for instance. Uh, she's a graduate of the pharmacy school at the University of Georgia. And has done very well in administrative pharmacy leadership in major hospitals. And is director of pharmacy and lab at Oklahoma Heart Hospital in Oklahoma City. Two, two different campuses. And really, the, probably the most dedicated follower of Jesus that I know. Mm. Very, very committed disciple, committed to the Word, and a real tremendous influence in my life. She views her... And I'm going to use two words here. Her occupation as her vocation. Mm. You know, from Latin, vocation is to call. Mm -hmm. And she views what she does in that hospital, the people that she she hires and fires, and the team of uh, other personnel in that hospital on the administrative side with whom she works with, she views all of that as an opportunity for for the manifestation of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Her presence is a witness. She's you know she's not in your face about that. It's but but it's effective, mm-hmm. and I I know personally it's effective. And there are uh, there are stories she could share about how God has used all that. So I, I want, I, I'm saying that because folks that are listening out there sometimes think, well, I'm in the church or in the body of Christ. It's the apostles and the pastors and the prophets and the teachers and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and that's important. But it's actually the people of God following Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and to see wherever God has you occupying to see that as your vocational call mm. to be a missionary in that setting. I just think that's important for people to hear that um, and, and to be a follower of Jesus. You know, for the three of us right here, at the end of the day, all we are is disciples of Jesus. That's right. We're really nothing else beyond that. Mm. 
at the end of the day, all the titles will be gone. None of that's going to matter. The adder, the, what matters is, come follow me, Jesus said. Yeah. And wherever that leads us, and whatever pathway. Now, I, during the break, you asked me about maybe hitting a couple of little other highlights. I got thinking about it. In my, in my early 20s, maybe when I was about 20 years old, there were two conversations that had a, a real impact on my life. One was uh, in Costa Rica. Uh, I had gone uh, on a six-week missionary trip as uh, a 20-year-old. Actually, I was assigned just to go and take pictures, which I didn't really do very well, but I was with a team. And, and it was a great, great experience. And I, uh, I remember sitting on a porch one evening, the the. Uh, mission compound was on this hillside that overlooked this valley that overlooks uh, 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 San Jose. And it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. It faces out towards the west. And and I was sitting there, and you know, when you're 20 years old, I had finished the manual. I was getting ready to start UGA. And and I was just trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? You're trying to figure out, who am I going to marry? What am I going to do? You know, and I was talking to a, just this wonderful missionary leader there. His name is John Parker. He's now with the Lord. But I was saying to him, maybe I should just drop out of school and go preach and go pastor a church. Jesus is coming back, all this stuff. Yeah. And he started laughing at me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why are you doing this? I'm really serious about this. And he said, I know you're serious. He said, let me tell you something. He said, Doug, you have, you have more time than you think you have. Mm. Prepare yourself. The That's more good. you prepare yourself, in essence, he was saying, the more options you give God with your future. That's wonderful. I, you know, that, that really had a, a settling yeah. comment in my life and put me on the task of continued study and uh, seminary, graduate school, all that kind of stuff. The other conversation was about a year later. I'd gone to Georgia, and I started off in journalism because I liked to write. I had written for the local newspapers and stuff like that. And another man who you guys know who's now with the Lord, Dr. Vincent Sinan, uh, who was uh, one of the renowned Pentecostal historians of the last uh, century and the early 20th century, uh, we went to the same church. And uh, Dr. Sinan met me one day after the church service. And he said, he said, Doug, what are you majoring in? And he was a historian. He had taught me uh, uh, American history and things like that at Emmanuel College. And I said, well, I'm, I said, I like to write, so I thought I'd major in journalism. I'll never forget what he said. Why are you doing that? He said, you already know how to write. You need to learn something to write about. Go change your major to history. Wow. <laughs> I don't I think thought, I've ever heard you tell me that. I, I may not have. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? He's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So I did. I went back, and fortunately, I was in a really boring class in a journalism <laughs> class, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> uh, but I did. I, tr- I changed my major to history, and I've remained uh, to a large extent somebody with a great interest in, mm. in church history and world history and do a huge amount of continued reading in that. Uh, which leads me to this. One of the things I've learned, and partly learned it from Dr. Sinan, 
was that the body of Christ is much bigger than our Pentecostal evangelical family. And uh, some folks might be a little bit uncomfortable hearing me talk about this, and I hope I don't get you guys in trouble. (laughs) If you get bad feedback, just edit this out or whatever. (laughs) Don't don't give them my email. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'll claim y'all twisted my arm or something. but in, in the you know the Western Church tradition, which prior to the Reformation was Roman Catholic, and you know for my family roots, so it's best we can determine go back from France and England and mm-hmm. Western Europe predominantly, and uh, possibly even French Huguenots. But um, the Western Church tradition really roots itself in 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 the the, the tradition of the Church of Rome. And it's not until Luther and until uh, Henry VIII uh, with England, with the Church of England, and for our particular denomination, which has Wesleyan roots, there's a natural affinity to the Anglican Mm -hmm. tradition. And uh, I've I've often said that, uh, uh, you know, if if Anglicans and, and Roman Catholics are kissing cousins, basically, and if the Pope had given Henry VIII the divorce he wanted, uh, you know, we'd probably still all be Roman Catholic on this side. Uh, but um, but there's just this rich heritage of of understanding of the Christian faith that's in that in the Western Church tradition that that I read I read a lot about. I have Roman Catholic priest friends, and uh, and I read. To be honest with you, I, I think some of the best arguments on the pro life side come out of the writings of, uh, of the late uh, Pope John Paul II mm-hmm. and, uh, and Pope Benedict, who is no longer in that office but is still alive as of this re- recording. Pope Benedict's writings on, on, uh, on Christianity and his engagement with the cultural world are, in my opinion, very thoughtful, very biblical. I don't you know, obviously there's certain areas that sitting here we, we would disagree with on, on certain aspects of the theology. The other side of that is the Eastern Church tradition that many of us in the West are not as familiar with. And I'd, uh, probably in the last dozen years or so, I've become much more engaged in the Orthodox. When I talk about the Eastern Church tradition, we're talking about the church that for a thousand years essentially was in Constantinople and really defied Christianity, Constantinople being modern-day Istanbul. And uh, this rich heritage out of orthodoxy, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Russian, the different branches of the Orthodox communion. I was blessed uh, about eight or nine years ago to have an opportunity, my wife and I and another one of our leaders in our movement, Dr. Harold Hunter, we had an opportunity at uh, Pascha, that is, uh, uh, the, the Good Friday weekend, to actually be in Istanbul and to have a personal audience with the ecumenical patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church, the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew, 30 minutes with him in his office. Wow. And I, I'm just overwhelmed by that to this day. Just the wisdom and the, the, the 
sense of commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, orthodoxy in the for the last four to five hundred years in Turkey under Islam, and for the last most most of the last century under the in in Eastern Europe under the hand of communism, and so under two entities that are very much uh, antichrist. Hmm. Uh, I ask him, how do you survive in this? How do you do this? And I'll never forget what he said. He pointed me to, if you know much about the Orthodox tradition, uh, icons are important. And he pointed me to a little icon he had on his desk. Unfortunately, I could read Greek. He said, he said, do you know who that is? And on the icon, it was written in English, patience. This was the sight of patience. Mm. And, and he smiled and he said, we have learned that at the end, Jesus Christ is going to prevail. His mm. kingdom Amen. will prevail. And we will be faithful till then. And I mm. thought, that's it. Wow. That's it. And so I continue. And, and a lot, actually, a lot of Pentecostal groups are in uh, intellectual dialogue about the Holy Spirit with others sharing our perspectives and the Orthodox sharing their perspectives. Same thing with other elements of the Christian communion. So there's this depth of 2,000 years of church history. And then you even go deeper with that when you go back into the Jewish roots. We have to be careful we don't disconnect right. from, from the Old Testament scriptures and the promise of God to Abraham and, and what what Israel, what the Jews were about, and what that remains about. And um, so I sort of view feeding into to my understanding of call that, that there's three major rivers. One is out of the Old Testament. Another is out of, out of the Orthodox tradition. Uh, and the third is out of the Western church tradition in its manifold forms today. Roman Catholicism, the Anglicans, the, Refor- the churches of the Reformation mm-hmm. that, that inform me being a Pentecostal, being a Pentecostal holiness minister. And, and because I think if we just think of God's purposes and God's call within our own limited lifespan, we miss we miss hearing the cheering section of the great cloud of witnesses, mm. which is much bigger than we dare imagine, in my opinion. Well, so, that resonates with me. Yeah. It just does. That that this the kingdom of God is grander in its scope yep. uh, and probably much more inclusive than I'm comfortable yeah. believing. Yeah. And, just, I, just and, and there's a tension with that. I understand right. that. Yeah. And, but, uh, but at the end of the day, that decision belongs to Jesus. That's right. The wheat and the tares are his choice. My, my fear is that I'm a tear and don't know it. Ooh. Mm. And, and or sometimes, actually, I do know I'm a tear. Right. <laughs> That's really scary. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but but it, this goes back to this issue of what John Parker said to me, to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. I think if I would say anything to anybody who's listening, whether you're in, quote, the ministry as we define it or a Christian, read, read, read. Mm-hmm. Read the Bible, obviously. 
Start there. If you can't read anything else, read the Bible. But then out from that, read read, read great biographies. Mm-hmm. Read Augustine's Confessions. Read, uh, read the contemporary biographies of, of people, or autobiographies. I read Stephen Alford's, uh, I can't remember now if it was an autobiography or his biography, a number of years ago. And Alford's, uh, uh, Alford's here, he, t- he talks about as a young man, hearing God's call in his life. And uh, very moving as he describes an episode that occurred to him. Somebody ought to find that and read it. I can't remember the name of the book right now. But look up look up on uh, a free plug, Amazon.com. Look up Stephen Alford, and you'll find, you'll find a biography mm-hmm. about his life. But read those things because they, they, encourage your, they encourage me. And for preachers, they give you good sermon illustrations to boot. But, wow. but it, it, it spans your horizons, our horizons that span in our mind and in our engagement with people different from us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. Doug, you are teaching us that. You're guiding us through the process. And uh, So thanks, thanks for this conversation. We'll, uh, yes. we'll continue talking to you as we are just kind of learning from one another. Um, these wide ranges of leaders that you're suggesting for us. We're learning how to find the best way possible to make our next step our best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Their debut single is coming October 29th. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans to learn more and pre-save their new song, Somebody Famous. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Sweet nothing's fair.